Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. I'm Laura Wasser, and this is the Divorce Sucks podcast. This is the Sunny Side Up Report. I'm Johnny Rains. The Sunny Side Up Report is where Johnny and I discuss all things divorce, new chapter, relationship, wedding-oriented that we come upon in the weeks preceding our show, um, online, in on television, on the newsstands, etc. So anywhere there's divorce news, we're going to bring it to you. And today's first story is about the curious world of divorce TikTok, which is written by Audra Schroeder for the uh, DailyDot.com. Uh, this is a, a story about an app that has a divorce hashtag that people use now to post about divorce and even to actually get married. TikTok, the short form video and lip sync app that was formerly Musical.ly, is structured around memes and hashtag challenges. People engage in goofy, confusing stunts accompanied by a soundtrack of their choice. It's one of these apps that mostly kids use, which is kind of funny, but uh, of course, you know, men and women are uh, dramatically taking off their rings and throwing them at the camera or solemnly paging through divorce paperwork on on videos set to music and uh, using it to signify that they're getting divorced or that they want to get married. Wealthy women are outsourcing divorce stress to concierges. By Christopher Cameron, New York Post, the divorce concierge and Untied are helping women with recreating their lives, finances, and new relationships in New York. Um, it's interesting. I uh, actually spoke with one of the creators of Untied. I don't know Gundula Bratke um, that is featured in this article, but it is a really interesting way for people to kind of organize what they're going through as they're going through a divorce, a divorce concierge. And it can actually apparently help you save a great deal of money because they have people that they can refer you to who can help collect all of your financial information. They can help you with styling. All of those kind of things are very, very helpful. And we do a lot of that on the It's Over Easy Index. I think this is a higher uh, price point, but I really, really think that it's worth looking into and I think that it's important that people have all kinds of resources available to them. It's sort of like a divorce task rabbit also um, can provide that function. I also spoke with uh, Karen Bigman who um, is the uh, woman behind the company Divorcierge mm-hmm. and they will go as far as to you know go out on a 
with you into a bar or a restaurant and teach you new social skills, as you often say, how to represent yourself. Right. And just a shout out to Elise Pettis, who created Untied. Um, she, it's really wonderful. I love what she's doing in terms of getting the message out there and having people be able to speak about their experiences and their professional basis in helping. Next article is how to make an open relationship work from fatherly.com. And I read this article twice and I still don't know how to make an open relationship work. I don't think this is for you. But it does. I mean, look, we, we say on the show that we talk about everything. Some people are not meant to be monogamous, but they still want to be married. And so I did. I read this, too. I thought this was really interesting. Um, it did give some interesting options to partners that are in a relationship and they get along perfectly well but for whatever reason they are not interested in having sex with each other or they are interested in having sex with each other but they also want to have sex with other people so it gives you some rules and regulations and I think it's I thought it was a well-written article and I was interested in it. I agree with that and I think um, one of the sort of key things that I took away from it is almost the very last line which is open relationships aren't anything without open communication and I think we can say that about all relationships. Yeah, just so that you guys, if you don't have time to find this on our Facebook page, there are three steps. One, determine if it's right for both of you. Two, map out your non-negotiables. I mean, some people can say like, look, you can't do this, but you can do this. And if that's not okay, you need to be on that. Because to be clear, um, an open relationship and cheating are not the same thing. No. And finally, three, don't forget about other people's feelings. Not just the two of you, but whomever you're going to be stepping out and being with as part of that open relationship, they need to have some clear communication as well in terms of boundaries and what your intentions are. And if kids are involved, you got to kind of pay attention to that. Right. Societal norms, all that. Yes, all that stuff. And finally, don't let your marriage phase out by hmm. Shagarika Shah. Oh, it's yeah. This from, is one from DNA India. Yes. Warning signs that your marriage may be heading for divorce. It's interesting because as you read this, you realize that it was written in a country that perhaps might not have as progressive views as ours. Um, The latest statistics show it's the wife who expresses dissatisfaction and seeks a divorce. The husband may report feeling troubled by his wife's dissatisfaction, but he's okay with the overall state of the marriage. (laughs) I like this. Get rid of your fairy tale misconstructions about marriage. Romance never lasts, but communication and friendship do, so prioritize right. Let's not let one partner or gender be discerned by marital distress and dissatisfaction. After all, majority of us invest maximum number of our years in a marriage. Why not make it our best phase? Hmm. Well, I like that. Yeah, it, it, and all's well that ends well. Meaning the article ends well. Oh, I thought you maybe meant the marriage. Okay. All right. Thank you for joining us today on the Sunny Side Up Report. We've got um, the editor-at-large from Father Leon with us next, Joshua David Stein. Dissolution and custody matters are great equalizers. Having done this for a while, I've come to realize that everybody has very similar issues. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much power you have. You're always afraid of what's going to happen to your kids. This is as true for dads as it is for moms. And though the zeitgeist of the modern women's rights movement is such an exciting thing to be a part of, I can imagine that some men in our audience may feel eclipsed by all of the powerful female voices we've had on the show over the past few weeks. So, today's Divorce Sucks is dedicated to all the dudes and dads out there. And our guest today is the ultimate dadfluencer who, in addition to being a dude-turned-dad, is the editor-at-large for Fatherly and the host of the Fatherly Podcast on iHeartRadio. 
He is a prolific writer whose work has appeared in Esquire, The Guardian, GQ, The New York Times, and New York, just to name a few. He's also the author of several children's books, and he is the father of two sons. Welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, Joshua David Stein. Thank you for calling in today. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. Tell us a little bit for anybody listening who doesn't know, what is fatherly? So fatherly is, um, as our PR people like to say, the leading millennial brand for modern parenting. <laughs> but um, basically, it's full of uh, news, but also a ton of service, a ton of research about uh, kids, about parenting. We have a distinct um, dad angle, as you can tell from mm-hmm. the name, but uh, our audience is, you know, there's a lot of moms in our audience, too. I'm one of I think we're one of the few publications out there that kind of take the dad's point of view and some of the things that we face as dads, you know, and really uh, foreground that. Give me an example. Uh, Well, I mean, divorce is a perfect example. You know, as you mentioned in the intro to the show, a lot of the literature out there and certainly a lot of the focus in the popular culture, I guess, would be on the mom's concerns her point of view, uh, which are all totally valid. I'm not, you know, discounting that at all. But also thinking about the sadness and the difficulty as a divorced dad. I mean, I think the myth of a dad who uh, feels liberated from, you know, a, a marriage that isn't working out when he has kids is, like, very much complicated by the idea that dads want to be involved in their kids' lives and feel sad when they're not. They can't be. Totally agree. And and so you listeners know about 10% of fatherly's readers are either divorced or separated. And I mean, I, I look, I'll, I'll say this. I've been practicing family law for 25 some odd years. And when I started in the early 90s, it was really the beginning, I think, of the shift. And particularly here in Southern California, where you have a lot of men who work from home. So I would have clients come into me and go, I don't understand why she thinks that she automatically gets the kids and I can like have them on the weekend and Wednesdays when like I'm home, I change diapers, I, you know, sing to sleep, I read bedtime stories, I bathed. What is this all about? And I said, you're totally right. I mean, that's just not how the reality of our parenting goes these days. So it shouldn't be the reality of our of our custody situations. And I've really seen, thankfully, in the past 25 years, a, a real change in what judicial officers will do when presented with this as a problem. But even before that, what couples will do when they come in, and many of my clients in my private practice come in and say, we already got the the custody thing down. We're sharing custody 50-50. We've worked out a schedule. Write it up for us if you can. Um, so many people are doing that, and I, I'm, I'm happy to see that because I really think kids deserve to be able to have equal relationships or at least equal time to build those relationships with both of their parents. Yeah, I mean, I think the voice is an interesting um, – well, as you know, it's an interesting – period in a person's life because the unspoken dynamics of a relationship as well as the unspoken cultural sort of um, ideas of parenting take on the added uh, added legal dimension, meaning that something that's unspoken about whatever, about how we see dad's roles in the lives of kids or who is a primary caregiver or any of that stuff, 
you know, it's all very nebulous and sort of hard to pin down. But then when you get a divorce and you're talking about custody, all of a sudden those things have like real world implications in terms of custody splits, in terms of um, uh, ch- child support, in terms of visitation, all those things that are court mandated or not, if it's not through the courts um, legally mandated, it really solidifies. So as fatherly, you know, we are around because dads are taking a more vocal and more active role, or at least are more vocal about the active role they're playing in their kids' lives. And I think that should be, and I'm happy to hear is, being reflected in the arrangements of families going through divorce. Absolutely. And what I was also seeing a lot, not as much now, I think because there are, there are things like fatherly, which there wasn't, at least not to my knowledge, in the in the early 90s. No, it launched in 2015. Yeah. So, But like what I would do is we would have these dads and they would get custody and they already knew how to diaper and bathe and whatever. But a lot of the time they didn't have anywhere to go or anything to do with their kids that wasn't with a bunch of other moms, you know, play groups were moms, baby groups were moms, um, you know, the the little kid gym classes were with moms and sometimes childcare providers. And so what we would do at my firm, because I happened to always have a handful of young guys with young kids, is we'd hook them up with each other and set up play groups. And I, I was speaking a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about a group of guys that their kids are now all out of college or in college or out of college, but they're out of the house. And these guys still get together. I mean, it's actually really sweet that they've like remained friends, which I know so many women do, but you don't see it as much with guys. And I, I love that that is happening. That's something that on It's Over Easy on our index, we have, you know, abilities for people to connect and become communities and have these play playgroups, for lack of a better word. And it really is important to kind of have a peer group, not only so that you got something to do with the kid, but so that you're not sitting there and being like the one dad in the park with a bunch of moms. Yeah, I mean, I think it's complicated. You know, it's like, so being a divorced dad, uh, I'm separated, so I'm going through it right now, is how much you want to identify like that. You know what I mean? Like there's still some, even for me, I write about this stuff. I don't want to say, I wouldn't even call it stigma. Um, There's like a heartbreak in what happened, right? And so to identify as someone as part of that group is a really difficult thing. Like I know, for instance, for myself, I, not just because I'm one of the first people in my peer group who was married, who had kids, and now who's um, getting a divorce, but um, I don't hang out with really other divorced dads. Well, do you hang out with other Maybe dads? Uh, do I hang out? No, I work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a good point. I spend a lot of time with my kids when I'm with them. Just Like, I have two boys, and because I have more limited time with them, I just want to hang out with them. You know, like, I I'm, got not it. Into, I'm not into making small talk with other dads who were... Oh, I mean, also, fundamentally, I'm not, like, a super friendly person. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't want to make small talk with guys I don't really care about just so just because our kids know each other. You I know got what it. I mean? Like, I've been through enough um, birthday parties where you're just, like, looking at other dudes on their phones and you're just like, Jesus. Right. This is 
these are not my friends. I've been at that birthday party. Yeah. No, I I hear you. Now, how old are your kids? They're five and seven. Okay, fun. And your parents got divorced when you were eight, yes? Yes, correct. So what have you taken from the experience that you had from the perspective of a kid and applied to your situation with your boys? Well, I mean, it's something that we talk about a lot on Fatherly, and I'm sure you've spoken about it too, that, you know, divorce is – Generally speaking, divorce is not like a great thing for the emotional and mental life of a spiritual, emotional, everything life of a kid, right? But by far the worst thing is is conflict. More than more than divorce is conflict and high conflict. When I was when I was a kid and my parents got divorced, it was extremely it was an extremely high conflict divorce. And I don't think they should have stayed together. I'm glad they didn't. But man, do I wish that they had managed to get divorced in a way that didn't, um, you know, uh, traumatize me, I guess, as a kid. Right. Now, with my kids and in my situation, it's very important for me and my ex um, for a a bunch of different reasons, but that we are civil. And to be honest, where we are now in our process of separation, we're still friends. I don't know if that'll always be the case, but for now that's the case. And both of us are so laser-focused on creating a a stable support system for our kids. Like a good example is, I wonder if you, you know, have any experience in this. We got a, we were, we had a uh, mediated divorce. Mm -hmm. So we didn't go through the courts. We went through a mediator, June Jacobson. She's awesome. Um, (laughs) Not sure my mom, which I like. Um, But I was really fighting for a long time for, uh, well, we have 50-50 custody, um, but I was fighting that they lived in my house on my nights. And, you know, I talked to, through Fatherly, actually, I was talking to experts about, you know, what is the deal with two homes? Like, how does that affect a kid? And my uh, ex-wife was dead set against it, and I was dead set for it because, hey, you know, it worked for me and whatever. But the truth is it didn't really work for me. And I do think it would have been really unsettling for my kids. I'm not saying for all kids, but for my kids, I know them. So at some point, I just gave up that demand because um, – so I gave up that demand. So I moved around the corner. On my nights, I come. I put them to bed. Um, my uh, ex – you know, their mom either stays in the apartment or she goes to my apartment or mm-hmm. she goes out. But the idea is that, look, at, at this point – having my boys feel like they have a home and they have stability is so much more important to me than any sense of like, well, they're mine. Right. They're at my home. This is my time. Right. It's like, well, and that's, exa- you know, no, I to totally ther- agree with you. And therapy in it. But like when I was a kid, the thing I remember most is, you know, it being nine o'clock on a Sunday night, knowing that my mom was waiting for me to come home. My dad wouldn't take me home because he said, it's still my time. You're not library books. And just being so, uh, like, trapped. Right. And I never want my kids to have that. No, I totally agree. And, I mean, look, whatever it is that the issue is, putting your kids first, like you said, knowing your kids. I mean, I have two kids. They have two different dads. 
they have, and, and again, from an, a younger age, each of them was two, they've always gone back and forth, and they've always been totally fine with it, and they always refer to both homes yeah. as their homes. That being said, yeah. you know, I know plenty of people, particularly, and again, older kids, there's more of a transition, there's more of an uprooting, particularly girls, because they have all this crap that has to go back and forth with them, and it makes it, it makes it difficult. I think it's also really important, whether, wherever they're sleeping each night, that you're close, but that's hard. You can't always do that. Sometimes financial reasons, occupational reasons, you can't be living close to each other. So if you're driving all the way across town with the iPad or the special blanket or the straightening curling iron or whatever it is, you start to understand why kids feel displaced when they're moving and they don't have all their stuff where they are. So as you said, Josh, to put the kids first and ra- rather than kind of counting hours, I have so many people that come in and they're so hung up on the percentages. Well, is it 50? Is it 50-50? Because if it's not, then yeah. I need 50-50. A good chunk of the time, they're sleeping. So if you're factoring that into the equation, or who does the school call if they're sick? Whose day is it? I mean, people get hung up on these things rather than thinking, Jesus, if my kid's sick, I want to make sure one of us can be there to get him as soon as possible. And I do think that yeah, there has been I, a... I feel like that's the thing about divorce. All of a sudden, you know, divorce is so damaging. Well, I, I can only speak from my like um, point of view. It's so It's such a difficult transition in terms of your own identity. You know, like I, now I'm divorced. <laughs> like I, how I, long I for? How long were you married? For ten years. Ten years. Okay. So, and then, and how old were you when you got married? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Okay. So now, and how long have you been separated, divorced? I moved out. I mean, it's new. I moved out at the beginning of the year. Okay. So you're about to turn forty. Yes. Oh. It's okay, honey. I just turned fifty. You're good. Don't worry about it. All right. Yeah. Can, can we? Can we? Can we do something? I won't necessarily hold you to it, but I may nag you a, bit, a little yeah. bit about it because, unlike June Jacobs, yeah. I may not remind you of your mom. But I'm a little bit older, and I'm Jewish, so there's like yeah. a little component there of me that has to do this. Will you make a date with me a year from now? Can we get on the phone, possibly the podcast, in March of 2020? Because I, I, I want to tell you one thing that is one I can still hear that you're raw, that it hurts. And I know it. And one of the biggest components to divorce is time. But I want to talk to you again next year in the spring and see how you're doing because so many of these feelings will change. You're you're not comfortable with it yet. And again, it's not anything that you're ever going to be like, yo, divorce type five. But at the same time, you get more comfortable in this skin that I I would like to refer to it now as like raw. Like it's like you just pulled off a scab. That scab, that skin will be healed. You will have a different relationship with your wife. It probably will be more friendly. That you're managed to be friends right now this early in is huge. It only gets better. I mean, it really does. Yeah, you know what? Yes. Okay. Good. Johnny, write that down. We have a date. You have a date with an older woman, Josh. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit more just for a second about Fatherly, the website, the podcast, and the YouTube channel. Do some plugging for us, Josh. Yeah. Those are all things. So I'm the host of the Fatherly podcast, which we're in our third season. Um, Like the first two seasons I thought were pretty good. They revolved mostly around me talking to kind of like famous dads. Um, about how they, what they thought about childhood and then, not childhood, fatherhood. <laughs> um, and then this season is actually much more, because I, I've had so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a difficult place in my own uh, life as a father. Um, I thought it was a good opportunity maybe to ask some of the questions. They're not all like heavy questions, but ask some of the questions that I know a lot of 
dads are struggling with, whether it's talking to, you know, experts on mental health or, um, you know, other, uh, let's see, who else did we talk to? Um, that's one that's sick. <laughs> Even something like how to have your kids listen to good music, you know, just like all of the things. Oh, that by I the way, that's brilliant because so the people that I know that are like listening to, no offense, Disney Station or whatever, but... I never listened to that, and my kids never listened to that when they were with their dads, thank God. So my kids mostly have pretty good yeah. taste in music. That shark song, I don't even know what people are talking about when they talk about that shark song. Yes, I know. I mean, except I live in the world of, like, Imagine Dragons now because yes. my kids love Imagine Dragons. Yes. And Perry Griff, who I actually do like. Um, but so we had this guy, John Schaefer, who's kind of like a legendary uh, music writer and DJ here in New York, walk us through how he got his daughters to listen to better music. Um, we talked to a climate uh, scientist on how he talks to his daughter about climate change, which I think for a lot of us is a really big deal. And, you know, it's about balancing scaring the bejesus out of your kids, which you don't want to do. Right. Um, or ignoring it, which you don't want to do. But how do you make them feel empowered, but also be realistic? So it was kind of like a journey that I realized, I don't, you know, you're the expert on your podcast. Me, I'm like the guy who doesn't know anything and I'm, I'm taking the opportunity of a podcast to ask all the people who actually do know things for their advice. Right. No, I like um, that. That's how I but, am, too, a lot of the time, their advice, their experiences. I'm looking at some of the topics that you've had, and I love this one. Weed is the new mommy wine, but can daddy do it? Do, are you finding that there's a change? Like, this is something that I don't really get into that much. Sometimes clients come in and say, oh, yeah, he or she is smoking pop. But I once, like a long time ago, had a judge say to my opposing counsel, Mr. So-and-so, Everybody smokes pot. I don't want to hear about your client's ex smoking pot. I don't care about them smoking yeah. pot. If he's not smoking pot when the kids are with him, it makes no difference to me. So let's talk about yeah, that. I mean, I think, yeah, just in general, I feel like um, with grass, I don't know how to call it, dope, <laughs> um, weed, um, it's so much. I mean, it, it's on the precipice of becoming a major, it already is, but just becoming a major industry, legalized yeah. and taxed and marketing. Yeah, I think for certain, that kind of thing has totally lost any sort of stigma attached to it when it comes to parenting. Of course, you know, on the podcast, we talk to, you know, experts who are just like, yeah, just treat it like you would treat alcohol. Like you wouldn't get drunk and parent in front of, you know, with your kids. Don't get crazy high and try to parent either, but use it responsibly. I don't think there's any um, stigma so much about its illegality, which is so obviously fleeting. Right. Are you hungry for the usual today? Or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville Hot Brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville Hot Seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw. Served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville Hot Brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break.
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. This week on Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow, Caitlin welcomes sisters and fellow Podcast One hosts Bailey Madison and Caitlin for an episode of silliness and games like you've never heard before. Download new episodes of Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow and Just Between Us every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is Divorce Sucks, the fatherly edition. I'm your host, Laura Wasser, and today we're getting schooled in dad fluency by my guest, acclaimed journalist, author, Joshua David Stein, who is Fatherly's editor-at-large. Fatherly launched in 2015, providing parenting advice and content about love, money, and relationships for dads. Tell us the five types of divorced dads you meet, which may be the reason why you don't want to meet any of them. So I don't know if you remember, Uh, I'll tell you. There's the mess. What's the mess? Yeah, the mess is, I don't know if you have this, you're in L.A., right? Yeah. So I, I see the mess all the time on the subway. The mess is kind of like the the guy who, uh, who you know, he's dragging the kids' backpacks and they're both open and, you know, like, he's totally frantic on the subway and he's, like, yelling through the car. Yes. And, um, you know, I always think he's kind of full of crap because... It looks so performative. Right. Like, you guys probably don't have this same dynamic, but we have this dynamic in New York on the subway where, like, a dad will come in, and it's not only divorce dads, a dad will come in with, like, two kids or even a kid, and immediately someone will get up and give him give him the seat with the kid and be like, oh, good job, dad. Good right. Job. Whereas, like, a mom does that every day. Moms do that every day, and no one says "great job, mom." No, no remember, remember that, remember that Chris Rock bit where he did like about something about heroes or something like that. He said, "You're not a hero just because you're doing the right thing." Like guys that stay with their kids do not—they're not heroes. They're just doing the right thing. Same thing. Like you don't need to give exactly. it up on the subway for a dad any more than for a for a mom. But I, yeah, okay. So that's the mess. I, I've seen that. By the way, we, yeah, you don't well, need to have a subway to have the, the mess. No, the mess dad is a guy who, like, um, I don't know, somehow thinks that I know it's performative because I'm a dad and, like, it's not that hard. Right. Is like, who wears it as a badge of, like, honor that he looks like a mess, right? Yes. And because he's trying so hard to be a dad. It's like, dude, come on. You can still wear, like, pants that fit. <laughs> it's like the woman that insists on coming into the office with the spit up on her shoulder. Like, did you really not have time yeah. to change your jacket? Really? Or are you just, that is, yeah. that's, that's the yeah. badge. I get it. The working mom. Yeah. All right. The better dad. Let's face it. Like, not all relationships are the most healthy. When you get out of a marriage that's not working, there's a reason. Maybe you're unhappy. And so the better dad is a dad who, you know, has really flourished and, uh, I don't know if I'm flattering myself, but I feel like I've become a better dad since, um, since my separation. And it's the archetype is you have less time with your kids. You value them more. I mean, it is true. It's, everything's more precious and me. more present because also you life. don't have that backup. It used to be there were two of you usually around. And so you could be on your phone or whatever, and she'd be dealing with them. But if you're on your own, yeah. you kind of have to be present during that time. And you also know that there's like a cutoff, which is when they will be at mom's. And so you're like, I can do this then. Let me be present with them now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Look, I think the thing, um, just, you know, it's not about the, the types of dads, but I think the thing that maybe isn't spoken about too much in terms of divorce is, like, 
overall, it's probably not like a good thing. I don't know. But there are some real positive aspects that come out of it. There's a lot of heartbreak, too, and a lot of people who, you know, and there's victims, and every situation has its, has its own dynamics. But I found there's a lot of positive aspects. Well, that's that that's of. kind of what we try to introduce on the show and with It's yeah. Over Easy, which is it's happening. We don't really believe anybody should stay in a marriage where they're miserable and they're not growing and they're not flourishing. So, I mean, it's not always going to be great in a marriage. But if your marriage has come to an end, how do you divorce in a way that you can really, really see a silver lining? And one of those big things is as a parent and often particularly in my experience with dads that say, God, I'm so much of a better parent now than I was before. Maybe because I've been forced to be, maybe because it's a look. I mean, you know, people have near-death experiences and they become nicer people. Maybe after having yeah. a separation or a divorce, it really does, you know, it's a reality check that makes you a better parent. And if that's if that's the silver lining in the divorce scenario, then then let's, let's work with that. Yeah, I think if, um, you know, just speaking personally, I think the issue sometimes is is that giving voice to the positive aspects feel like feels like it devalues the hurt that's caused and felt by you and other people. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's why you um, have to give I it would... a year, I think. Yeah. I mean, again, okay, well, I, well I'll tell you day, also, I get a lot of I get a lot of hate mail from the Christian right saying you're you're making divorce sound like it's good and whatever. I'm not telling anybody to get divorced and I'm certainly not devaluing the pain. It's miserable. But here's your light at the end of the tunnel. Here's what's going to happen eventually. Here's where you focus the good stuff. And maybe in you, maybe you'll learn something in your relationships that will help you next time around or will help you communicating with your co-parent. You may not have loved you know, going to bed with her every night, waking up next to her every morning, but you may be in a better position now to respectfully and in a really familial and intimate way, you know, co-parent with her. Yeah, that's accurate. What's the shadow um, dad? The next is the sh- <laughs> yeah, the shadow dad is a dad. I mean, this kind of speaks to the loss of um, social cachet, which I've, I haven't personally experienced, but I know other dads in my kids' classes who have, where, like, they get a divorce, and then the mom is a dominant figure in the school activities or in the friend groups, and the dad is kind of exiled and wants to be present but feels a lot of shame about being present. So, you know, he's out, he's there at school, but he's off to the side, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty sad one, the shadow dad. But I, unfortunately, I hate the shadow dad. Oh. Okay, what about the cool guy dad? Cool guy, like, so you get a divorce, right? And you can lean in on, like, you can lean into two different things. You can lean into the dad aspect or you can lean into, lean into the, like, the cool dude aspect and, like, relive your single life from <laughs> a more advanced age. The cool guy dad is, a, you know, ponytail, goatee, looking at his phone. Tattoo, tattoo, um, post-divorce say, tattoo. I mean, I'm covered in tattoos, but I will say that I have been tattooed right. for my the duration of my marriage. This, you know, what I realized though, like I got a divorce, right, and I moved into my new apartment. I had a record player, like an old vinyl, like a vinyl yeah. record player, and I realized like a record player is a good look when you're married. But if you're like <laughs> a single dude with a record player, it's like, dude, you you're not cool. You're no, not a cool bachelor to swing your pad. Be a little douchey. I see what you're saying. I get it. <laughs> my boyfriend has um, a record player though, and he's single. But that's because we were alive wait, when wait, vinyl wait, wait, existed. Your boyfriend? Wait, wait, <laughs> unpack that. What? 
Your boyfriend has a record player? Yeah. Is he single? Well, I mean, he's single like he's not married. He's not bringing girls home to his house to play records, I I hope. I mean, I don't know. We don't (laughs) live together. But he does throw a good, like, a Led Zeppelin on now and again when I'm over. So it's working somehow. Mm, I I couldn't pull it off. I'm, like, strictly Google Play Music. So did you give it away or is it still there? It's still there, but it's disguised as a coffee table. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Now now tell us about the Still Friends dad. This is the ideal. Still Friends dad. I mean, this is like also kind of my situation a little. I mean, it's like, I don't know. You were married to this person for a reason. Obviously, the marriage aspect didn't work out, but like you were attracted to them. And Mm -hmm. uh, Still Friends dad is like the best version of a divorce uh, relationship. There's no animosity. There's like little conflict, and you hang out sometimes. Like I'll I'll just say that we uh, just went on a family vacation, all four of us together, and it was the best vacation we ever had because finally my ex-wife and I were not so tight. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. we weren't fighting all the time because we were married. Now it's like, oh yeah, I've you know I've I've known her since I was 17. I'm 39 now. Right. Like I've liked her for more than half my life. So, yeah, she's still my friend. Ghetto, I'm trying to realize that the pain is just one aspect that's coloring the way I think, the way I feel, but there's more to it. And that will, so. that pain will fade. That's how I am with the both of my dads. And I would kind of wrap up this part of it as saying, isn't everybody at some point a little bit of each of these dads and to a certain extent moms too? Yes, I mean, I've contained multitudes. Yeah. All right. Um, question. And again, I know you're, the kids are still sleeping at her house, but are you guys able mm-hmm. to get on the same page with like discipline or screen time? They're young still, but like TV or iPads or whatever. Is everybody on the same page diet wise and stuff like that? Or has that been a transition? So we were never eye to eye on those things, even when we were married. Got it. So um, screen time. You know what? You know what it is. Like a couple of months ago, and even before we got uh, moved out, it's kind of like and by through doing fatherly and all these things. You know, I read all day about studies about screen time and everything. And in my mind, as a dad, I'm thinking, look, I can't just feel overwhelmed by guilt all the time because I'm not following all the advice out there. I'm trying to do the best that I can. And if they kind of watch like two episodes. Like my my thing is if they 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 each have two episodes or twenty one minute episodes, and maybe that's too much for them, but it's kind of like realistic in my life for what's going on, and that's fine. And I think Anna is slightly more Anna's my ex wife. Right. She can um, vigilant. No, no, oh. she's actually the opposite. Oh. I would say that even we're both on the same page about all those things, but my approach is much more strict. I see. And I would say that <clears throat> even though. I know and I respect the philosophy that we need to be completely on the same page and um, there should be no daylight. Um, I think on some level, yes, you don't want to have so much variation that the kids feel like there's no security and that also the kids can play one parent off the other. Yes. That goes as well for when you're married. Yes. On the other hand, I think it's useful for my kids to know how to deal with two different types of people. Like that is a skill that will help them when they're older. They totally know, for agree. instance, for me, if they, you know, Achilles is my son, if he's not going to eat dinner, okay, 
I'm not going to force you to eat dinner, but you're not getting a snack. Right. Like, this is this is it. So he he'll eat something at my house that he wouldn't eat at Anna's. Right. And with Anna, he has a different dynamic. Right. I'm not judging it, but it's just a different dynamic. Right. No, I think everything you said makes a lot of sense. I think you know, again, personally and professionally, that's exactly the right way to be approaching this, which is everything in moderation, which is big ticket items on the same page, but the approach to them, not necessarily. And the benefit in that is that your kids really do learn to have coping skills and dealing skills with different kinds of people, personalities, rule sets, etc. Exactly. When you're going through divorce, and even when you're a dad, and I experience this as editor at large at Fatherly, I think there's like a temptation just to to inundate yourself with like rules because you it's hard to do if you don't know how to be a divorce dad or it's hard to do to know how to be the best dad you can be but data is useful to a point like um advice is useful to a point but not if you use it as a tool to make yourself feel less than or bad or that you're not doing you know you're you're doing the like trust yourself you're doing the best you can and you can wing it a little bit and sometimes you know they talk about maternal instinct there is paternal instinct, and paternal instinct is just fine. Are you ready for the interrogatories? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. These are investigative questions that attorneys ask opposing parties during the discovery phase of litigation. We like to do it here on the Divorce Sucks podcast as well. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, Joshua? Yeah, but do I have to retain outside counsel for this? <laughs> no, you're good. You can be in pro per. <laughs> Okay, great. All right. We know you're divorced. What is your relationship status? Are you dating? Uh, I have my first hinge date uh, tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, we will keep our fingers crossed for you. Now, just question, are you on more than one dating site? Are you on Hinge, Bumble, Raya, or is it just Hinge, or what's what's the how does that work for you? Okay, so I tried um, Bumble, but I did not like the interface. Okay. I'm... I, can't do Raya because I have an Android and it's only for iPhone. Got it. Um, and yeah, so Hinge is my only um, service, which <laughs> which I'm okay with for now. I don't think I want to be on it forever. And in fact, that's like the tagline. It's like the app that's meant to be deleted. But it's good just to, I guess, chat with people. And I'll it find is, out tomorrow. It is good to chat. Time. And I'll tell you this again, personally and professionally. You've been married for 10 years. That's a long time. It is really good yeah. to get out there and kind of re-present yourself, not only whoever this person is that you're going to meet tomorrow and whoever after that, but for you. Who are you now? I mean, when you when yeah. you met Anna, you know, you were 17, so you even knew her a long time even before you were married. Being able to kind of say, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, here's what, you know, what's funny, quirky, whatever about me, you kind of work on your your lines and, and that. And that's, I think, super important for you because, like I said, over the next year before our next podcast date, you are going to really, really discover a lot about you. Objection leading to witness. Okay, sorry. Ready? What's your favorite breakup song? So, like, I'm a huge Dylan fan, and I think there's one of his songs is called Mama, You've Been on My Mind, which I really like. Maybe it's the weather or something like that. Mama, you've been on my mind. Oh, yeah. Yes, I like, I like a lot of too. his breakup songs because they're really tender. Like, there's not that much anger. And right. just a little bit of, you know, heartbreak and wistfulness. And I would say that as a, someone going through divorce, just in divorce, maybe in my life with sadness in general, 
is transforming that to anger because it's too painful to be heartbroken. Got it. And I love that he dwells in all the feelings. I agree. Fun fact, I went all through elementary and high school with his kids. I was at Sam's Bar Mitzvah. Yep. Well, Sam is his second oldest. It's Jesse, Anna, Sam, and Jacob. I know them all. Were they cool? Super cool. Normal kids. Super cool. Well, they were normal and they were cool. They were both. And they're just sweet and smart, all of them, and um, nice people. And I still see Jacob and once in a while, Jesse. Anna and I went to NYU together. The Wallflowers were good. They were good. That's a good song with one one headlight, right? Yeah. No, they're really good. His kids go to school with my kids now. I was like a little younger when that came out, and I thought. I thought Jacob Dylan was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen in my life. And he <laughs> is he, he is in person, too. They've all got those big blue eyes that came from their yeah. mom, but then they've got the kind of Dylan, Dylan scraggliness. <laughs> Maybe I'll introduce well, you to Jacob, cool. and that can be your next relationship. Who knows? Okay, we'll see. Um, I, I, yeah. Okay, I know I'm going to say this wrong because I already know what your answer is going to be, but I'm still going to ask it the way I ask it. What would you say to cheer someone up going through a breakup? Oh, yes. Um, I think I would listen more than to cheer someone up. I mean, this goes back to what I just said about the dwelling in sadness. Mm -hmm. I feel like so many times people just want, oh, it'll be okay. And like, oh, don't, you know, cheer up. It'll it'll be fine. You'll feel better. And like, to be honest, I know I'll feel better. I don't have an issue with feeling sad. Like, I'm just sad right now. Right. That's okay. Um, I feel like, and that's what I want to try. I want to hold open that space for whoever I'm talking to. To just be sad, not to have pressure to convert it into something else or to tidily wrap it up like a little lesson and then and then move on. But give you know, but honor what you're feeling. Totally. I, I like it. I agree. Could you watch any romantic comedy film on repeat? You know do you know catastrophe? <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> yeah. So Aren't I they so funny? They're funny but also real. Yes. And like not idealized, and they love each other, but it's difficult. I mean, watching a romantic, even watching that, you know, I don't know. This is like the big challenge, right? You get divorced, and then, like, you kind of want, at least for a little while, you kind of just want to, like, shut yourself off from the possibility of love or that love exists or whatever. But then you watch something like Catastrophe, and it's so tender and so beautiful, and it's kind of like, yeah, it didn't work out for me, or this relationship didn't work out for me, but... This is just such a beautiful portrait of love. Yes. Like, and, and just being open to watching. I mean, yeah, it's a movie. I get it. I mean, it's a show. I get it. it's fictional. But I really feel like through that show, there's some real feeling, real emotion and truth that comes out of it. Totally. And I'm, I, I feel certain, especially like some of the stuff when she was pregnant, like I feel certain that some of that shit happened. I mean, I just that it has to come from somewhere. So, yeah, it is a show. Yeah. But at the same time, they are really acting out and somebody is writing. I guess it's both of them that write it. Some really real yeah. situations and things that happen. And it it rocks. I love them. Yeah. What's so great about it is it's like art that's like just barely wrapping real life. Yes. You know, it is art. I get it. There's like credits at the end. It's on Amazon. <laughs> you know, it's in the television like section of the Times. But there's something so real about it and so immediate that, you know, even watching it last night and, you know, in my home alone, like I had a huge smile on my face. Good. That's what we want. 
Joshua David Stein, thank you for calling into the Divorce Sex Studio today. You are wonderful. Things will get better. I'm not telling you to get over it. Live in that space. But when you are <laughs> a little bit further through it, let's talk again. Tell us how we can keep up with you and Fatherly and all that fun stuff. Fatherly is fatherly.com. I am, I quit most social media because I do not find it very helpful, but I'm on Instagram at Joshua David Stein. Um, the Fatherly podcast is on iHeart or wherever you get uh, your podcast. And um, just holler my name out to the universe and my spirit will visit you. <laughs> Thank you so much, dude. Take it easy. I will talk to you soon, I hope. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Stay up to date with us on Instagram at It's Over Easy, and we'll be back next Monday with a fresh new episode of Divorce Sucks. Thanks for listening. Are you hungry for the usual today? Or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville hot brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville hot seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw. Served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville hot brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.